So if you ask a kid what do they want to be when they grow up, you may get kids that say, I want to be a scientist, or kids that say, I want to be an artist. But on today's episode, we're going to hear about some of the ways that those two things combine more than you know. Welcome to the STEM Everyday Podcast. Each episode features educators sharing their practical ideas to put more science, technology, engineering, and math into every classroom every day. For show notes and more information, visit dailystem.com. Here's your host, Chris Woods. Well, welcome back to the STEM Everyday Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chris Woods, and really excited to be chatting with Gareth Campbell today. He is a former teacher, but he's the founder of The Mosaic, the Museum of Science, the Arts, and Interdisciplinary Collaboration. Sounds like a mouthful, but it's really exciting, and educators and, and parents and just interested individuals alike, what is it like to really make uh, STEAM learning happen for our kids? Welcome to the show today, Gareth. Hi, thanks for having me, Chris. Yeah. And first of all, themosaic.uk and at themosaicuk on Twitter and Instagram. But just tell us a little bit about yourself, Gareth, and, and how you moved from becoming a teacher to saying, I want to start a very interactive STEAM kind of museum and more. So I started teaching eight years ago now, mainly as a chemistry teacher, but all, all three sciences. Mm -hmm. um, and I was working part time as an artist. And that's been like really my passion for the last six, seven years. Yeah. And I was just really frustrated that by the time children get to 11 years old, they have already got this notion of what they're going to end up being for the rest of their life. And yeah. they almost like pigeonhole themselves saying, I'm an artist, I'm an engineer, I'm really interested in computers, wherever it might be. And our education system sort of panders to that. <laughs> and we don't show them how these transferable skills are going to be useful to them no matter what they end up doing. And also they may end up having career changes along the way and might not anticipate things changing in their lives. And that's kind of like what's happened for me is that I've, I've been teaching for this time and seen this problem. And I'm thinking about all the transferable skills that I've got from teaching and from science and how I can use that to not only be an artist, but also how to you know, set up a STEAM learning business. Yeah. And so you you created this, and it's not necessarily a physical space yet, but with the, the power of the internet, you can make a virtual museum. You can offer workshops online. You can um, you can do a lot of things that, you know, 5, 10, 20 years ago, I mean, nobody thought possible, but your idea, your goal is to to really enhance that, that STEAM learning, especially bringing more arts into that STEM education. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I suppose my ultimate goal is to have you know, a physical museum, but, you know, we've, we've got, we've got the technology available to us that we can make this a, a global thing and have the widest reach possible. Um, so we, we started off with the first virtual exhibition, which was sort of my experiences working as part of the um, artist assistance program for OpenAI. So when uh -huh. they were testing uh, the new text image model DALI, they already had DALI 2 out about February last year. Yeah. Uh, and they wanted to start getting artists' opinions on how we can improve it um, in exchange for free and early access. And then I started testing their new model, which is now DALI 3, which was released last month, and sort of showing children how rapidly this technology is changing. I thought, why just share this with my class? Why not share it with a wider audience? So we made a virtual exhibition um, that comes with downloadable resources. So teachers can download those and lead their children through this virtual exhibition and start unpicking not only how artificial intelligence is 
growing and how it's maybe changing the art world, but also maybe think about some of the ethical issues yeah. like algorithmic bias, how much carbon emissions there are hidden behind training an algorithm um, and really getting students to embrace this new technology. Yeah. And you talked about text to image and and some some educators, some adults, some parents might be listening, you know, text to image. What what do you mean by that, Gareth? Um, so if you haven't managed to use Dali yet or Midjourney or any um, equivalent, it's a really useful tool where you can take natural language, i.e. English, mm-hmm. and you can talk to a computer and get it to generate images for you. Or if it's text to text, like ChatGPT, you can get it to generate more text for you. Right. Um, and obviously, it's something that's hugely popular at the moment within the last year. And there's all sorts of people you know, showing how many wonderful different ways you can use it in classrooms. And I wouldn't um, profess to be an expert in that space. Yeah. But I'm more interested in um, how it interact, interacts with the, the art world and how it interacts with how I produce imagery in a world where computers can do it a lot quicker than I can. Right. And, and really a focus of uh, some of your artwork, some of the workshops that you have available through the mosaic.uk uh, are really focused on on how that that technology that stem piece interacts with that a that art piece and and it's not just enough to just have kids make a poster exactly yes i mean i'm a firm believer that when new technology comes along we shouldn't just sweep it under the carpet and say oh the when they need it they will be introduced to it i i feel like we need to be ahead of the curve and start teaching our young people how to use these new technologies in a way that's you know responsible and they're not just saying oh this is a, a cheap tool that we can use it's something that can enhance the creative side of us um and so yeah the main thing that i'm trying to do with uh young people in the 11 to 13 range is to try and show them how their creativity can be augmented by artificial intelligence yeah. i've also used it with children to enhance their descriptive language as well which has been really powerful because learning is such a social thing. And when you're working with homeschool children who normally are working in isolation, to bring them together as a group and get them starting to discuss how best to describe an image, that's been really powerful to you know, push what they believe is capable of their own language. Right. So I did an activity with a group of um, homeschool children where they looked at some artworks that I'd produced and they were having to describe it to an AI to replicate the image. Oh. Um, and it was it was really interesting. So we use a, lip, uh, a few different tools. We use crayon.com, I think it is. And you, you sort of get the rough idea of the image that they're trying to reproduce. Uh, we then used Dali and a few other text image generators. But I've actually recently been working with a company called Exactly, which is a UK-based company that allow artists to train their own models. And so you can get it to learn your style and then replicate um, your own imagery. And using this model, children managed to get eerily close to my original artwork using AI. That's that's a really clever idea. And I'm thinking, you know, any educator listening, any any parents at home that has a kid interested in art, I mean, those are those are things that you could challenge a kid to do. I mean, kids are so excited, so curious. They'll look up and find some tool online to start figuring things out like that, and just to see if they can replicate 
by describing with their words, you're building that literacy aspect. You're building those communication skills at the same time that you're building both the art and the the STEM technology type skills. And a lot of these things, you these projects you're doing are now being kind of built into workshops. You've got them available on the website. And, and as of right now, they're available to uh, educators and, and families and people in the UK, but, but with a goal of eventually taking these uh, further global, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, ev everything that we've got online is freely available everywhere. Um, so the virtual museum is free to access. The, yeah. um, the resources are freely downloadable as well. It just might need a bit of modification depending on your curriculum where you are. Mm -hmm. um, but I think this cross-curricular learning that we're doing is so powerful. And you can instantly see you know, these children who either you know, self-describe as an artist, really getting into the tech behind it and advancing their language skills and vice versa. Those who are really technically minded are starting to appreciate the art in a different way that they didn't expect to. Right. Um, I think I, I noted, like, if you think like the average time that we look at artwork, if you're walking around a museum, it's probably like five seconds. And if you get children to be able to look at your artwork for what was about half an hour and really look at it in detail and start to describe it, you know, get a better appreciation of how to observe art. And that was fascinating as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, in, in terms of the, the, the physical stuff, I would, the, the workshops are currently only available in the UK. But yeah, yeah. hopefully, um, as, as the mosaic expands, we'll start being able to have a bit more of a global reach. Yeah. Now you said something a moment ago, Gareth. Uh, and again, we're chatting with Gareth Campbell, founder of the Mosaic, the Mosaic.uk, and, and definitely educators check out all the links in the show notes as well. Uh, you mentioned something about kids just looking at a piece of art, and you know, maybe just for five seconds or whatever. And mm -hmm. I think with our with our culture, if you think about kids and as they're scrolling through their feeds of whatever social media <laughs> or videos and things. They're often not even not even given five seconds to to really focus in and, and something. So that art aspect that, you know, thinking of, of somebody walking into an art museum and just staring at a picture or a painting or a piece of work for for long periods of time and thinking about it, that that can be, I think, a, a, an idea that can really start to draw our kids back to some of that focusing, some of that those skills that that maybe they're lacking right now. 100%. If you think, I mean, someone's probably done a study into this. So if you think the average time that we look at a picture on Instagram, it's going to be less than a second, isn't it? And, yeah. you know, it's it's very frustrating when you, you take 20 plus hours to create an artwork just to know that someone's going to go, oh, that's cool. And then yeah. <laughs> move on. And we're sort of breeding that. And all all these platforms are working on engagement and you know having that quick dopamine fix mm -hmm. and we're, we're unfortunately shortening our own extent uh we're shortening our own attention spans yeah. uh so yeah if anything we can do to try and get people to really look a little bit deeper and even if it is increase that five seconds to 10 seconds yeah. um then it's got to be a win really yeah and so you're you're really uh, trying to trying to build out these things. And, and again, uh, if you're an educator listening, if you're uh, an artist listening, if if you're even a parent, um, check out these resources available. There's again, there's there's workshops, but there's a virtual museum, and there's some really neat things that that you can you can kind of look at. And again, more and more things being being built out all the time. Photographic techniques, scientific imaging, anatomy. 
emotions and and so many uh, more interesting things uh, available on on that site but you're really thinking and trying to to recreate what educators think of in terms of of stem and steam learning and um, I, I love to ask people you know what do you hope about the future of, of stem and steam education yeah so I mean I I really want to push steam learning to you know, the next level because at the moment it's Usually arts is the the afterthought and it's just tagged along on the end. But if we really integrate it into STEM, then there's so much to learn from it. Um, I mean, the example that I always use is um, when we teach primary colours. Mm -hmm. When you teach that in, in physics, it's red, green, blue, because that's the primary colours of light. Whereas when mm -hmm. you teach it in um, arts, you're going to be teaching about the primary colours of pigment. Um, and often you're teachers are going to go, oh, don't listen to your art teacher, they're lying to you. Or <laughs> kids are going to believe that about it, that, you know, yeah, I can't, I don't believe that it's red, green, blue, because my art teacher said it's different. <laughs> but then actually, if you look at how pigment absorbs light, if you look at how when you add more light together, it gets lighter, and you add more pigment together, it gets darker, it starts to make sense. And they, they go a bit more in hand in hand. And I, I just want, you know, different curriculum areas to talk to each other and say, this is how we're teaching it. How are you teaching it? Because then you're going to get a more depth across the curriculum. Mm -hmm. I suppose, but yeah, that, that's what I want for the future is, you know, the arts have to be a part of STEM and we, it's not just a token thing that we do to say, oh yeah, we're including the arts in this. Yeah. It's really showing what can we learn. And it's not just visual art, like, you know, music as well is just all wavelengths, isn't it? And just how our brain interprets different wavelengths of sound. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so like the next thing for the mosaic, like you said, we're keeping adding different things to the virtual museum. So we only started off in May, um, and the goal is sort of every six months we're going to add a different room to the museum. Mm. And so the next one we're doing is working with some researchers at the University of Oxford and looking at how the latest astrophysics research can be interpreted using different forms of art. Um, there's a great North American astrophysicist called Katie Mack who uses poetry as part of her science communication. And so we're using her as a role model to show children that, you know, poetry is there when we can't explain something in prose, when it's too profound that we can't find the words to express it. Hmm. And, you know, the magnitude of the universe is exactly that. And when we're looking at information that came from, comes from the James Webb telescope, some of this stuff is really hard to comprehend, even for astrophysicists. And yeah. so if we can start using poetry to wrap our heads around like the awe and wonder of the universe, um, it's a really powerful tool. Yeah, that's amazing. And and just thinking of a couple of things you mentioned before, Gareth, you're talking about, you know, those those colors, those uh, and how that's that's art, but that's physics and, and music and how that's, you know, wavelengths from science. But, you know, all the all the passion that goes into it from whoever's writing and creating that music. And 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 sometimes we forget about those things when we just kind of mm. get rolling along in our in our classes and our lessons and filling out lesson plans and things as educators and, and parents as we're just maybe listening to music or or viewing some type of, of piece of art, but um, or picking picking whatever colors we're going to use on our on our walls of our home. So <laughs> uh, um, but but all those things have that that stem uh, background to them. And the more that we can talk about those with our kids, uh, the better, better off that they'll be. And they'll realize that, Hey, it's all connected as well. So, uh, mm. so it's from, from that point, isn't that fascinating that we can make people feel something just by the way they interpret different wavelengths, whether it be sound or light. And 
that's that's the thing that sort of really motivates me is that you know like we take a lot of things for granted when we're looking at visual art or hearing music but actually then you start analyzing the physics behind it and it becomes even more amazing yeah yeah and one question I love to ask everybody, Gareth, uh, it's been great uh, chatting with with you and think about you as a, as an educator and also as an artist and and then bringing those things to kids. You know, if you could have like that ultimate guest speaker to talk with kids about STEM, uh, about uh, things that they're doing in the world, who who do you think you would pick? So I've been researching a lot of, you know, STEAM role models, people who use cross-curricular learning people who have maybe started in one career and gone to another and you know these these role models that show just how transferable our skills are no matter what we end up doing yeah. um, and it's really interesting the more you look into history the more and more people you find like you know Einstein played violin for instance mm-hmm. and you have people like Katie Mack and Joy Bulanwimi who's a computer scientist from Canada who uses poetry they both use poetry to share their scientific research but the, I suppose for me, the ultimate person is George Washington Carver. Oh, yeah. So there's, there's a lot of his story, which is, you know, like unfathomable, like he was born into slavery. And um, I think he was quite young when um, slavery was abolished. Yeah. But he he started off studying music and art. Um, and it was actually his art teacher who said, you're too good at drawing plants. You need to go study botany. Yeah, And so he used all these observational skills that he'd got from his art and went to study um, botany in an agricultural college mm-hmm. and then went on to help the formerly enslaved farmers increase their um, productivity by sharing with them how soil gets depleted and how what the best plants are to prevent your soil from being depleted. Yeah. And so I think like his story just really resonates with me. And I'm sure he's got lots of fascinating, fascinating things to say. You know, he had loads of different views about how Christianity and um, science interplay with each other and how they both form important parts of his life. Yeah, which is something I'm trying to explore in my artwork. Like I'm I'm not necessarily uh, religious myself, but I quite like the idea that we almost sometimes treat science as a religion that it's you know facts that we just believe because someone's told us. But actually, we need to have critical analysis of those facts as well. Yeah. It's fascinating to to look at George Washington Carver. In fact, he's he's probably the person I would pick too. And one thing you didn't mention, Gareth, he's a fantastic crocheter too. And so those, some of those things are are on display and and just the patterns of that and and how those interact mm-hmm. with the patterns of math and and science and yeah, but his paintings, you know, from being on display at some of the world's fairs and things like that are just really incredible. So uh, See, I, any, I didn't know he I didn't know he did crochet, so that's really fascinating. Yeah, yeah, so many so many more things to learn. So we all have those those things to learn and those great people to to hear about. So thanks for for talking about George Washington Carver today. Any other last thoughts, Gareth? And as we uh, we think about uh, just some of the great resources you're providing for educators and for parents and kids. So I, I suppose the main thing for me is that I I know what it's like to be a teacher and how many you know, constraints we have not just time but curriculum and like there's never enough time in the day and you know these lovely things about doing cross-curricular learning seem like oh that's a nice thing to do but actually sort of when you look into how it helps our most disadvantaged learners it's mm-hmm. a hugely powerful tool uh, it's a hugely powerful tool mm-hmm. and so I don't want educators just to think oh yeah that's a nice idea but when am I going to have the time to do that I don't see the point actually look at how cross-curricular learner how cross-curricular learning really 
benefits your weakest learners and how it stops them from limiting their career aspirations and can prepare them for a career in STEM when we've got these industries who are begging for creative individuals to go into um, STEM. Yeah. So yeah, I, I just want educators to sort of feel reassured that, you know, I'm, I'm giving away lots of free resources that's going to help them to introduce that into their classrooms, but not to yeah. see it as an extra burden, just see it as like a really useful tool. Well, that's awesome. Really appreciate uh, all the things you shared today, Gareth. And again, educators, check out the mosaic.uk or parents or community members, anybody that's looking for some some of those art uh, interacting with the STEM aspects and, and really appreciate all the things you're doing and all the best as you keep building out both that virtual space and someday in the future that that physical museum I'm sure you're going to be uh, creating over there in the UK. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Chris. Yeah. And again, uh, check out themosaic.uk or at themosaicuk on Twitter and Instagram. Again, if you need to connect with me, head to dailystem.com. I'm always happy to help. Send me a message, uh, subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, help more educators find out about great things that are going on to help more and more kids each and every day get excited about STEM and, and see where those STEM ideas intersect with the things that they're really excited about, whether that be music and art or uh, even the sciences. And again, keep up the great work, educators. You are doing the most most important job each and every day.